0: Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope you're doing well. Hope your weekend's going great. We're going to continue our study on the 50 Commands of Christ. I introduced it last week, and we talked about the first two commands of Christ. So if you missed that and you want to catch up and see exactly what all we're talking about here, you can go on our podcast, the Love and Action podcast, which can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. You can find the Eleven Action podcast and catch up with it. But the 50 Commands of Christ, it's very simple to explain. It's commands that Jesus gives us. And he tells us in the Great Commission, but part of the Great Commission is to teach others to obey what he's commanded us. And so we need to know what those commands are ourselves so we can obey them. And we also need to know what they are so we can teach others to obey them as well. We talked about the first one last week was repent. The second one was let not your heart be troubled. In other words, don't worry. So we're going to continue from that. But first, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for loving us. God, you just give us everything that we need. God, you give us your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, you're our provider, our healer. You are everything. You are God Almighty. And we give you praise, all praise, all honor, and all glory is yours. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that you freely give us. All we have to do is freely receive. You did all the work. You paid the price, Jesus, for us. And I pray this morning, if anybody has not given their lives to you who's listening today, that they will, and that they will repent as you tell us to and surrender to you, Lord, and discover what true life is all about. Father, we ask you that as we open up your word today, that we will be doers of your word and not hearers only. Holy Spirit, that you will teach us and you will lead us and guide us into all your truths, Father God. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for just everything that you do, Lord, everything that you are. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word across the airways, across the internet. God, it's an awesome privilege And it's an awesome freedom that we have in this country. So we thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, we pray for this country. We pray for all of our leaders that they will seek you instead of special interest groups. That they'll seek you instead of their own ways. And let you be the filter that they make their decisions through. And may any of them who don't know you come to you, Jesus, and be saved. Father, we ask you to help Each and every person listening today, you know what everybody's going through, good or bad, the good things we rejoice and thank you, Lord. Any bad things or things people are suffering through, Lord, Lord, you you tell us to rejoice at all times. And God, we just want to lift people up to you who are sick, who are going through uh, relationship issues, who are just dealing with tough situations with finances, whatever it is, God, we lift up to you and just ask you, God, to, to help them, to bless them, to lead God and direct them, Father. God, we love you. And again, thank you for your word, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's jump right into the 50 Commands of Christ. We're going to start with number three, Jesus' command to follow me. What an awesome command that is. What an awesome invitation that is to follow Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's an awesome study just to study that. Those two words, follow me, and I've talked on that before, and maybe we will bring that back out in later editions of Sunday Morning of Love and Action. But let's turn to our key scripture, with this, which is Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And again, as I mentioned last week, if you're able to take notes, please do. I encourage you to use index cards or however you want to do it, and write down these commands so you can go back and look at them and remember what they are and obey him. So number three, you can write down, follow me. And the key scripture is Matthew chapter four, verse 19. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is calling his disciples to follow him. And he says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Now in the Greek, the word there for for men also means women. So men and women. And Jesus wants to make us fishers of men and of women. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them from my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one." Wow, that's powerful, powerful scripture there. Jesus talking says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Follow me, two incredible words that Jesus gives us and commands us to follow him. In the Greek, the verb follow is an imperative verb. So it could be written, follow me, with me being in all caps. In John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, it is the picture of sheep only following the voice of their shepherd. Do you hear Jesus' voice? You can hear it in his word, but do you hear him talking to you? And it's not this audible voice, but it's that often called a still small voice. You know when a thought comes in that's from Jesus. You know when a thought comes in that's from the enemy or a thought you created yourself. But when Jesus speaks to us, we, we know We know that it's him because he is our shepherd and we follow him. Let me use an illustration. Think about the Paralympics. You have athletes who are blind and they're running. They're running around the track. How do they do that when they're blind? Well, they do it because they listen to the voices of their coaches And not only listen to their voices, but they trust those coaches. That what the coaches are telling them is not going to make them stumble and fall, but are going to get them to the finish line. And that's how we are with Jesus. We listen to his voice and we follow him. We can't see him, but we can hear his voice and we can trust him and follow him. And so what are some ways that we can hear the Messiah's voice? To follow Christ requires denying and dying to ourselves. I'll repeat that again. To follow Christ requires dying and denying ourselves. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He tells us we must deny ourselves. Those things that that our flesh want to do to satisfy the flesh. Jesus says we must die to that. And we must follow him. And we think about that when Jesus says that we must take up our cross and follow him. Now the cross then, when Jesus said this, and the cross now, people look at it totally different. Back then it was a form of capital punishment. Now we look at the cross and we see the work that Jesus did on the cross. And so the cross means salvation to us. But back then, it was a form of torture, as a form of capital punishment. And so Jesus is saying, "Look, we got to die to ourselves." And He's not telling us to kill ourselves, but He's telling us again those fleshly things, things that please our flesh. We've got to die to that, and we've got to follow Him. Matthew chapter 16:24 is a verse that we need to really, really study, really meditate on, and obey. Follow Jesus is a willingness to leave everything for him and serving Jesus with all that we have. To truly follow Christ, we got to deny ourselves, right? We have to die to ourselves to those fleshly desires, and we have to have a willingness to leave all for him and serve him. And let's read Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler here. And this young man has been answering things correctly. And then Jesus tells him, sell all that you have, come, follow me. Now, why did he tell him that? Well, Jesus knew this man owned a lot. And the things that he owned, that's what really ruled him and what he followed. And Jesus was wanting him to leave that behind and come and serve him and serve with him. So we have to ask ourselves this question. How well are we following Jesus? Let's go to John twelve twenty six. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So we're talking about serving Jesus. We're talking about following Jesus, obeying his commands, and living the life that he has called us to live. So ask yourself, am I truly following Jesus? Am I denying myself? Am I dying to, to self, to, to those fleshly desires? A- am I willing to leave everything? Now, Jesus may not be calling you to sell everything that you have and give to the poor. He may be, but most cases he's probably not. But he's, he is asking you to not let that rule your life. Let him, he's the king, he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, let him be king and Lord of your life. And then those things like your job, he can work through to bless you, but also bless others through you. And he can use that job to reach people that preachers can't. Because you're in situations, if you're out there working, you're around people probably who don't go to church. And so your pastor can't reach everybody. I can't reach everybody. Everybody. So it's up to each and every individual follower of Jesus to share his gospel with others. So when we follow him, we're being obedient to him and we're taking up our cross daily and following him, which means we're dying to self. We need to really commit that to prayer, that God will help us to truly die to our fleshly desires and just have such a hunger and desire for him and for what he desires to do in our lives. So, again, ask yourself, how well am I following Jesus? Number four, Jesus commands us to rejoice. Hey, there's a good one, right? (laughs) They're all good. Some are harder than others, but he tells us to rejoice. But this is not always easy because he tells us to rejoice at all times. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you. So Jesus commands us to rejoice. Jesus says specifically that we should rejoice and be glad, even rejoicing in gladness during trials. Luke chapter 10 verse 20 says that we should rejoice because our names are written in heaven. The Greek word there for rejoice means to rejoice with all your might like King David when he danced before the Lord. That's a tremendous rejoicing that we're going to rejoice and just praise God and praise God that our names are written in heaven. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sins and are following Jesus, then you can rejoice that your name is written in heaven, is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's something to rejoice about. And that's why we can rejoice even in trials, no matter what's going on, we can still rejoice because if we're going through a trial, that's only going to last for a while. And a while may be a week, it may be years, but when we look at it compared to eternity that lasts forever and ever and ever, we can still rejoice because we know that we're going to be with Jesus forever, and we can rejoice about that no matter what situation we find ourselves in. The fifth command we're going to look at is let your light shine. So if you're taking notes, write number five, let your light shine. And also write down Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And let's read that. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, let our light shine. And he is the light of the world. So if Jesus is in us, then we have the light in us and we need to let that light shine shine for all to see. There are two parts to this command. Let your light shine. Let your good deeds be seen, and so the Father will be praised. Let your good deeds be seen, and so the Father will be praised. Some people might ask, is this command in contradiction to Matthew chapter 6? And let's look at that. Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And this is Jesus speaking. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So here Jesus is telling us that when we give to the needy, we can do that in secret. God sees it and he will reward us for doing that. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 that we just read, Jesus says let your good deeds to the needy be seen. But here he says let your giving to the needy be done in secret. These verses, they would seem to contradict each other, except that the second part of the first command, which says your deeds should be seen only so they bring glory to the Lord. In other words, that others would see your deeds and praise the Father. Your deeds and your giving should not be done to impress others. That's what Jesus is saying here. They're not to be done to build up your ego. If we are giving and doing good deeds just so others can see us, just so people can say, hey, that's a great job you're doing. That's not the correct reason why we should be doing that. We don't do it to build up our ego. We do it to bring glory to God, and that's the only reason why we're to do it. Often people have come up to Martha and me and just pat us on the back and say, oh, it's such a good thing y'all are doing at Love and Action. And, you know, we'll say thank you, but it's, we'll tell them you know, that that's for Jesus. That's why we're doing it. Uh, we're not doing it for any, any thanks from people. We're doing it to bring glory to God. And so when people see that and they give glory to God, that's what we want. That's why we're doing it. You don't do things to build up ego. So do those good deeds to bring glory to God and give so God can bless you. God will bless you for giving to the needy. He he tells us throughout his word to help those who are in need and, and there's so many blessings in doing that. The blessings aren't why we need to be doing it, though. We need to be doing it to bring glory to the Father and to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. So let your light shine. Number six, honor God's law. Honor God's law. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Very interesting scripture there, isn't it? Because often people think, well... The law doesn't matter now because we're living under grace. Well, we are living under grace, but we still need to obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said that he came not to abolish the law, not to abolish the prophets, but to accomplish, to fulfill the law and what the prophets prophesied. And that's exactly what he did. So we need to think about, when when considering these verses why did Jesus make a point of saying one of the least of these commands? I think often we look at the commands of God and think that some are bigger than the others. Uh, you can look at the Ten Commandments, and maybe you think murder is a lot more than stealing or honoring your mother and father. You may think that an- another command, don't commit adultery, may be a worse sin than that. What we learn through studying the Word of God and the reason why Jesus had to come to fulfill the law is because if we break one, if it's the, the least of all the laws that God has given us, if we break one, we've broken them all. And so we shouldn't be encouraging people to break any of the, the laws of God. Now, Jesus did come and he fulfilled them, yes, but we've got to obey him. We've got to obey these commands that we're talking about as we're talking about the 50 commands of Christ. Uh, These verses that we're reading about Jesus fulfilling the law, they're, they're so important. And he tells us very clearly that we don't need to teach people to break the law. We need to teach people to obey him and to obey the word of God. And that's what he tells us to do right here. He says, honor God's law. What level of relevance and submission do you think most people have toward the Bible? can look back through the course of history and see where here in the U.S., there used to be a lot of reverence and submission to the Word of God, and today's society, we see less and less of that. I think we can definitely argue that. Now, what does it mean to practice the commands of God? What are some ways to teach others about the righteousness of God? Why is it difficult to practice what we preach? And what is the difference between the curse of the law and the law itself? those are some great questions. When I'm teaching this to a person face-to-face or to a a small group face-to-face, we we talk about all this, and this discussion is great. It's kind of hard to do that over the radio because you can't talk back to me. Uh, Well, you can, but I wouldn't hear you. (laughs) So uh, ask yourself these questions. Talk them over with a friend. Talk them over with your spouse. You can ask each other these questions. What does it mean to practice the commands of God? What are some ways to teach others about the righteousness of God? Why is it difficult to practice what we preach? And what is the difference between the curse of the law and the law itself? Galatians chapter 3. Let's read verses 10 through 14. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he writes, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed, Be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree." So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The law lets us know that we're sinning, and it's has been proven over and over again that we cannot fulfill all the law. It's impossible for man to do, but Jesus did it. Therefore, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, and if we have our faith in Jesus, then we become the righteousness of Jesus. And we're forgiven of our sins. We're forgiven of breaking the law. And it's his righteousness that is in us by faith, our faith in Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And it says that because of Jesus, we have the blessing of Abraham. Even the Gentiles, the non-Jews, have the blessing of Abraham. And we can receive the promised spirit, the Holy Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And in him, we can have salvation. And in him, we can have life eternal. And only in Jesus can we have that. And we have to understand that Jesus is either the same substance of God as God or a similar substance to God. So we read earlier that one iota, we're talking about one iota, one dot, makes a big difference. Because Jesus says it does. And so either we obey him because he is God or we don't and in our eyes render him less than God. We must obey Jesus. He is God. We read Jesus' own words saying the Father and I are one. And we know that the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one. And so we either obey him because he is God or we don't because we don't believe he is. We need to obey God. We need to obey his word. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and he gives us his word. He gives us commands that we are to follow. And that's what we're talking about today. And and not only follow them ourselves, but teach others to follow them as Jesus commands us to do in the Great Commission that I talk about so much on Sunday morning of love and action. So honor God's law. And again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 is our key verse in that command. Command number seven, be reconciled. And our key verse, scripture is going to be Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 25. So the seventh command we're looking at is the command to be reconciled. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 25. Jesus says here, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with them to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Note that Jesus speaks of offering a gift at the altar not a sacrifice as the Jews would normally have done, as we read in the Old Testament. This anticipates Jesus' ultimate sacrifice of himself to replace the animal and grain sacrifices at the altar. The message in verses 23 and 24 that we just read is that you must seek peace or reconciliation with your neighbors before bringing your gift to God, if possible. We are hypocrites if we claim to love God while we are angry and feel hateful towards others. That word hypocrite, you often hear people, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites there. Well, there's truth be known, there's hypocrites everywhere people go, right? But we would truly be hypocrites if we say we love God, but we're angry and we hold hateful feelings towards others. We can't do that. Jesus says, be reconciled. The real test of our love for God is how we treat people right in front of us. Think about how do you treat people? Do we treat them with respect? Do we treat them with love? Do we treat them with kindness? Or do we treat them with hate? That's not of Jesus. Jesus tells us to love one another. And so if we have an issue, and we're human, we're going to have issues with each other from time to time, right? And when that happens, don't let it keep descending and fall into hatred. Stop right there and and be reconciled with whoever you're having an issue with. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Can't get any clearer than that, can it? How can we say, I love God and we haven't seen him, but we hate our brother who we see? He tells us, if we say, I love God and hate our brother, we're a liar about loving God. So we need to be reconciled. That's what Jesus tells us to do. And so why is it preferable for Christians to quietly resolve conflicts rather than battle over them publicly? you ever thought about that? Again, these are questions you can sit down with your spouse or a friend and talk about. Why is it an out of court settlement better than a judge's decision? Matthew 5:25 was practical advice in Jesus' time, and it still is today. Trials are messy. They're time-consuming. They're expensive. But the bigger issue is the ever-increasing anger on both sides. Even small disagreements that may not take you to court can in easily, a lot more easily, if you try to make peace right away. In other words, don't let that anger simmer. Let's take care of it right away. And in the broader sense, these three verses advise us to get things right with other people, especially with other believers, before we have to stand before God or before we give him our gift. So let's be reconciled with one another. We're going to stop right there today because we are out of time, and we'll pick back up with number eight next week. And I hope you are able to take notes on this. And again, if not, you can check out our podcast because we will post this on our podcast as well. And you can catch back up, write things down then if you're not able to do that today. These commands, he gives them to us. Let's obey them. Let's be people who obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's be people who tell others about him. And if you are not a believer today, I encourage you to just call out to Jesus right where you're at, the best way you know how. And you may be saying, Ken, I don't know a thing about Jesus. Well, you can read in his word about him. I would encourage you to read the Gospel of John. There's four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can use the table of contents. If you don't have a Bible, you can look online. BibleGateway.com is a good place, or you can download a Bible app. And read about them. But I want to tell you, he loves you. He is the true son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. The one that the prophets in the Old Testament talked about and prophesied about. And he came to this earth for you and for me and for everyone. And he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin, for my sin, for all of our sins, for all of our disobedience to God. He defeated death. He defeated Satan. He defeated sin. And on the third day after his death, God raised him from the dead, and he lives forever. And if you will just believe, and if you confess Jesus as Lord, repent of your sins, ask him to forgive you, and believe in your heart that he died and rose again, you shall be saved, and you will have eternal life with God. Jesus loves you. His arms are wide open for you. He's not waiting with a baseball bat to beat you upside the head. He's waiting with arms wide open, and you can just talk to him. He hears you. He's with you. He Meet you right where you're at. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call. Our office at Love in Action is 334-494-4995. That's 334-494-4995. You can also email me at tuck at loveinactionministries.com. tuck at com. I'd love to hear from you. Jesus loves you. Well, I hope you all have a great rest of the day, a wonderful week coming up. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his face upon you and give you peace.